This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about mindsets and sports, attitudes, parents, kids, coaches, officials, self-confidence, aggressiveness, mental preparation, you name it. We talk about it on this show every week, get into discussions with you about the mental side of sports. I've been here at Sports Radio 810 WHB in my 18th year, my 28th consistent year on radio here in the Kansas City area. Our show's now on nationally in a number of cities. And excited that our the number of cities we're on is growing. And I'm really looking forward to talking with a lot of people about the, the things we talk about on this show. Because really, our show's unique. It's one of the only shows in the country where we get into sports psychology and really delve into psychology and athletes and coaches and parents. I'm in my 38th year of work as a sports psychologist in the Kansas City area. I've had the privilege to work with athletes all over the country, the Olympic team, professional teams, college teams, all the way down to youth sports. If you listen to this show, you know one of my passions is youth sports and kids and parents and dealing with how we treat kids. Last week, I had Jeff Chalk on the show, the executive director of the 3-2 and two Baseball Club at Johnson County, and he's been doing that for over 30 years. We talked about what's going on with, with coaches and kids and things like that. Our book, Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes to Use Sports, that I co-wrote with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone, has been out for a couple of years, and one of the main segments in our book is the whole issue of dealing with kids, communication, how parents and coaches and officials can get along with kids. You know, a couple weeks ago, I had a soccer coach from New York City on who in the handshake line, the handshake line, a 13-year-old boy on the other team punched the kid on his team. He grabbed that young man so he wouldn't hit anybody else. He then got pummeled by two dads on the other team and then a third guy came out and was just pounding the living daylights out of him until the police, who were next door, jumped the fence and broke it up. Why are these things going on? What is this about? Well, a lot of it has to do, I think, with attitudes of parents and the pressures, expectations parents have with kids. Today I have a very unique lady who is joining me. She is a therapist in New York City. Her name is Lisa Spiegel. She's the director of Soho Parenting, a center for parents in New York City. She works with parents. She works with kids. And she's written a book called Internal Family Systems, Therapy with Children. It's a very interesting cover because there's a drawing of a person on the, co- on the cover with multicolors. Looks like it was drawn by probably a five- or six-year-old. And a bunch of words written all around it. Funny, proud. And the word confident is circled above the person's face. And I thought it'd be great to have Lisa on. So, Lisa, good morning. Thanks for joining me today. Good morning, Dr. Jacobs. So happy to be here. You know, it's great that you're taking the time to talk with me about this, because this this is something I talk about on this show all the time, about parents' behaviors, coaches' behaviors, adults' behaviors with kids. You've been working with families for over 30 years. Let me just ask this question. Are you seeing a change in how parents treat kids in terms of expectations with things like school and sports? Do you do you see more pressure today than, say, 25, 30 years ago? Oh, it's been an inordinate change. I mean, it's just an exponential change in pressure, expectation, and anxiety, really, which is, I think, the driver of these expectations. Um, I, I have not... Uh, it, it, 
I've not seen so much pressure and worry about kids' performance. Um, the, the growth of it has just changed so much in the last, I would say, 15 to 20 years. Well, I've been talking about this forever on this show. I'm glad you're agreeing with me on that. And, and I think it's a problem because one of the things that I deal with, with especially high school kids in my office on, is the whole issue of expectations of others. I just had a, a new person in my office this week who's a soccer player. And mm-hmm. one of the things that came up was the expectation she feels from her parents. And her parents seem like great people. I met all of them for the first time. Seem like wonderful people. But one of the concerns was, am I letting them down? And I'm seeing this now mm-hmm. with kids. It's one thing if you're 14 or 15 to think that. But I'm seeing that with 7- and 8-year-olds. What about you? What, what's your what, what's your thought on that? You know, what I would say that, that I feel is different is that it's not just parents that children feel the expectation from, say, in the last 15 years, which I think maybe was true prior to the, this last chunk of time. I feel that the children now feel the pressure not just from their parents, and sometimes not from their parents, but from the culture at large. And that is what I think is um, really, it's like lighter fluid, you know, just onto on on pressure in children. It's, it's almost like you can't even insulate your children at home, yourself, in your own home, even if you are kind of fighting against the culture. But the culture itself of perfectionism, of performance, of celebrity, of wealth, is so baked in everywhere which is compounded by, by technology and just how many images um, come into kids' brains now. But I, what I'm finding is that parents are finding it hard to, to balance out the messages of the culture. So I certainly work with some parents who are um, really stressing performance. You just hit and, a word right there, excuse me. You just hit a- them. But, but I find that, that it's not just parents. You just hit a word right there that I talk about all the time in my practice, balance. How do we balance it out? You know, mm-hmm. how do we get everybody to sort of be on the same page as best as possible? And that's a word that a lot of people don't understand because there's that expectation to catch up with everybody else. Well, these other kids are doing it, so we have to do it. And as parents, right. you feel that pressure. Are, are you seeing that now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think some of our practice, you know, I would say one of the central tenets of our practice is that what we try to provide parents with is that idea that you can swim upstream against the culture. And in swimming upstream against the performance culture, you you can hope to provide more balance. If you swim with the tide, you have the highest amounts of anxiety and depression in kids that we've ever seen. But the parents really need to swim against the culture um, and to be providing messages from their children as, you know, as little as two, you know, in terms of enjoying the process of something rather than the product, um, learning from their mistakes, teaching kids that mistakes are just part are human and, and to really stress trying and enjoyment over uh, perfection. Joining me today is Lisa Spiegel. She's the director of Soho Parenting in New York City. She's been a therapist for over 30 years working with parents and kids and families. This is a great interview, and we're going to come back from our first break here. And I I want to talk, Lisa, with you about what do we do? What do we do to change it? How do we help these kids out and families out? And that's, that's going to be a big part of this because I think a lot of people are listening want solutions. If you have a question, this is a great opportunity to call. Lisa's an expert in this. She works with families and parents and kids all the time. If you're a parent, you've got, you're concerned about your kids' behavior, how they're acting, how they're reacting, or maybe just for you. Give us a call and let's talk. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest today is Lisa Spiegel, director of Soho Parenting in New York City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? 
Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 Minutes to Success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, to get 20 Minutes to Success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, Go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section. When Dad injured his back. When your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain. And you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful, pain-reducing prescription medicines. But most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB here in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And today, I'm very fortunate to have a guest with me. Her name is Lisa Spiegel. She is the director of Soho Parenting in New York City. She's a therapist, has worked with families, kids, parents for over 30 years. And we're talking about the pressures that kids are feeling today. And so, Lisa, we talked in our first segment that you agree things have changed and you're seeing this, you kept mentioning this whole perfectionistic thing. And I see that all the time. I have kids that come in my office, high school kids a lot, and their parents will say, well, my, my daughter's a perfectionist. She's gotta be perfect. So they come in and I'll ask them, are you a perfectionist 
oh, yeah, Dr. Jacobs, I've, everything's got to be right. And I said, okay, let me ask you a question. Who have you met who's perfect? And then there's the silence. Well, nobody. I said, well, then, if nobody's perfect, why are you trying to be that way? And they always have this little grin on their face. Oh, oh yeah. Do you know what I'm getting at here? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You started out by talking about the cover of the book that I wrote and this picture of a child who labels different kind of aspects of themselves. And that's the way I try to help parents and children know themselves, by thinking about something like perfectionism, not as all of them, but as part of them. So that a child may have a perfectionistic part of them, a part that drives them and believes that if if they don't totally get it right, then they're a total failure. And what I try to do is help them recognize that that's not all of them. It's just a part of them. That little grin when you say, who do you know who's, a, you know, who's perfect and they, and they smile, they know intellectually that it, that's not a reachable goal. They know that. But they can't help but be driven inside towards feeling like they should be perfect. So what I try to help them do is recognize that it's just an aspect of them and try to figure out how that part of them is trying to help them, what it's trying to protect them from. So when you say what would happen if you weren't perfect at your next soccer game, you get to the feelings underneath the perfectionism, like I'd be so disappointed in myself, I'd be so angry with myself, my parents would be disappointed. And then you can work with the worry that's underneath the perfectionism. That's how I try to help kids and parents. I think that's great advice. Now, if you take the word failure, and in, in mm-hmm. our book that, uh, that, that I co-wrote, our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. And I always, I have it mm-hmm. bookmarked, and when I have a young athlete in my office, I open up and I say, what's this say? And they read it, and they smile, mm-hmm. and I go, why would I say something as stupid as saying failure can be fun? And be, the reason for that is that you're going to fail. I don't care what you do. I mean, I always talk about Kobe Bryant two years before he retired, broke the record for most missed shots in the history of the NBA. Michael Jordan's shooting percentage was 50%. Here in Kansas City, our greatest baseball player, George Brett, is in the Hall of Fame. His batting average was just over 300, which means he failed seven times out of 10. So the whole idea of failure is so important. How do you work with kids and parents with that, Lisa, and help them understand that? Well, with parents, I think it's really important to talk to them about those very same issues in themselves because you know you're a parent you know it's very hard not to see your children as just extensions of yourself so the first thing to do is to with parents is to explore that idea uh, that idea of perfection and failure within them what what has happened to them in their lives when they have had failures and often they will tell you those same stories that you've talked about those athletes you know times in which they left college for a year and, and experienced it as a failure, but it led them to a new path. It's like almost like we forget what we really know inside. I think everybody really does have those lessons inside of them and help parents tap into those own stories inside themselves where they realize they're just getting caught up in this um, sort of race to the top that they've already won in a certain way. And and get them to come up with their own examples in their own lives and to recognize that they're just so worried about their kids not having happy, fulfilled lives. That it really comes from worry. I really do believe it's, it does not come from malintention. Um, and I think, it's very, I think parents quickly can come to the worry and their own examples of the detours they've taken or the failures they've had. Or maybe sometimes they have had their own experiences with their own parents who have been very exacting or disappointed in them for failures. Once you connect with the inner life, I think it's, it's easy from there. Because I think parents do want their children to feel their support and love. And they, they do have a sense that, of course, you're going to fail many times. So I think it's just you connect with the humanity of the parent, and then you just remind them what they actually have inside of them, and then you can guide them to use those stories to talk to their kids. 
about success and fail, what, what success means, um, which means trying lots of different things until you find something that you, you do well and you love. And so I really do feel like the human connection is, maybe this sounds corny, but I do believe that the human connection is the antidote to this kind of cultural drive toward perfectionism. I'm seeing this, and, and I've talked about it forever on this show, an increase in team sports at an organized level at younger and younger ages. I've, I've made the comment mm-hmm. many times. In fact, I had a client this week who told me, I've heard you say this before, there will be a, we're getting to the point where there will be a league for pregnant women eventually. Because <laughs> I, I, I actually believe there, that will happen. And, and the reason, no, I, what do you think? You're just, it's so funny. I mean, I see this time and time again, you know, the 18-month-old who's in the soccer class and, you know, karate for two-year-olds. And, you know, I, I just out and out tell parents not to do it. That's as simple as I just say this, you know, like what I'll always say is, oh, your, your daughter says she likes ballet. Get her a tutu and put Tchaikovsky on the eye, you know, on your, on your phone. Like, kids need the free-form experience of exploration. They don't need adult-led, rule-driven activities at young ages. And God, so- I am so, I'm so glad you're saying that because I've been saying this forever, and people look at me, well, but if I don't do this, I'm going to fall behind. You're not gonna fall. At three years of age, you're not going to fall behind anything. It's ridiculous. Right. It's ridiculous. And listen, I'd love for you to stick on with us for an, our next segment because th- th- I really like this conversation we're having here. And, and you know, the whole thing, it, to me, it comes down to this. It's about having fun. It's about learning. It's about growing. And I think it, everybody learns and grows at their own pace. But the pressure today on kids, and I, I think it comes from the adults who feel that they've got to Stay, stick up with everybody, stay up with everybody. Mm-hmm. They can't fall behind. Do you agree with that? Mm-hmm. No, I do. And I think the voices like yours, the, the parents need support in the other direction and not hearing it that much. And so it's so important what you're doing with the families you work with. Right. And so stick, stick on with me for our next segment, Lisa. This is really a stimulating sure. conversation. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is a sports psychology hour. My guest today is Lisa Spiegel, director of Soho Parenting, New York City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. 
All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you wanna give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, Make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition. And Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And joining me today, having a great guest on. Her name is Lisa Spiegel. She's the director of Soho Parenting in New York City. She's a therapist with over 30 years of experience working with families, kids, parents, you know, touching on the things I talk about on this show and I have forever. And Lisa, we've been we've been talking about this whole issue. So let's talk about what we do about it. How do we help out? I mean, we know we know we're not going to change society. You and I together can't do that. It's got to be a, a group effort. But I think this whole issue of kids having to start activities at such young ages and, and it, you know, to me and you, you're in New York City, so I don't know how many playgrounds are out there where kids are out playing here in the Midwest, if you drive by a grade school anymore, you rarely see a group of kids out playing. You see them at an organized sports practice with parents instructing them. And that's been one of my concerns is the whole idea of play is going out the window. What do you think about that? Well, it's, it's so interesting because it doesn't really sound that different from New York City in that way. In that way. Um, it, what we see is this, push younger and younger and younger to have kids in, or, in organized activities. It's as if parents feel that they themselves, um, that they hire people. So they're enrolling their children in, um, in younger and younger, you know, group-based activities um, with instructors and coaches. And, you know, it's almost as if they're afraid they're not good enough, actually, to just kick the ball around or push them on the swing or, um, you know, play with them themselves. I think that that is, it's almost as if parents doubt they have the, the skill and capacity of themselves. So they feel like they've got to bring the expert in younger and younger and younger. And, and what we really talk about over and over is, it is the relationship between you and your child that is, hands down, by far the most important thing and that the most mundane things that you do with your child are the ways that you transmit your values about things. And so we actively um, go against the, what the popular culture is. And often I have parents that come in and just that say the presenting problem is a, a moody, difficult kid who resists, you know, transitions and the parents are coming in, you know, at a loss. 
the first thing I say is, tell me your child's schedule. And time and time again, what I see is a kid who is scheduled up the wazoo, just three or four after-school activities during the week on top of a full day of school, you know, say for a six- or seven-year-old, plus weekend activities. And I literally, I feel like I get out my red pen, basically, and I just say, cut, slash, you know. And uh, time and time again, I have parents who say, I cannot believe how much better things feel in our family when we have eliminated more than half of the activities that we have signed our child up for. So that is a major push that we have is tell us what your child's schedule is, how much are they sleeping. We, we just try to bring it down to basics. And, you know, what I also try to explain to parents is that each activity is three things. It is the getting there, it's the activity itself, and it's the transition transition away from the activity and we all know kids have a hard time with transitions so when you really lay it out for parents and they think more deeply about what's going on it kind of like a little light bulb goes on like wow i i just thought i'm giving them something that they like you know instead of really understanding that they're kind of overloading their child and so what you get back is this difficult behavior you know and so when and kids just kids like to be home you know, they like to do not that much a lot of times. And later on, the inability of kids to entertain themselves, to be resourceful, figure out something to play with or to do is so irritating to parents, right? Because, you know, why can't they entertain themselves? Well, if you've scheduled everything for them from such a young age, they don't grow the capacity to figure things out for themselves. So I think often... When parents really think about what, what do I really want, you know, they want their kids to be able to be creative. They want their kids to be able to figure things out, put things together for themselves. Once they really think about it, they recognize that pulling back from all the scheduling is actually going to help them get what they really want for their children. Well, I think that's great advice and something that I obviously believe in, but it's sometimes it's hard to get people to believe that. Listen, if you are, are a parent, you've got a question, you're wondering about how many activities or too many activities, what should I get my child in? It's a great chance to call in. I've got an expert, Lisa Spiegel, Director of Soho Parenting, with me on the lines. If you're worried about when should I get my child involved in an activity, am I in too many activities, like she was just saying, it's a great opportunity for you to call in. So, you know, this whole issue of confidence, self-confidence, Lisa, it's something I deal with kids on all the time. And one of the common things I get from a lot of kids is, They'll say, I have no calm. I have no self-confidence. And I look at them and I go, I'm sorry, that's just not true. You obviously have self-confidence. <laughs> it didn't just go away. Okay. It's still there. You may not feel good about it, but it's not gone. But, but it's this pressure to, you know, they don't feel confident because they failed. And then they'll be de- degraded by teammates or coaches or their parents. And one of the things I try to, uh, to teach people is this whole idea of failing is okay. It's part of what happens. You're not going to win every point, every game. You're not always going to succeed. You don't make, you know, 100% on everything in school. Although I have had a couple kids, well, actually, Dr. Jacobs, I do. Okay, well, it's yeah. okay <laughs> if you get a 99. Well, but, but you know, but I want to go to an Ivy League school or I want to go to this top suite. I said, it's okay. I said, you, you, you have to understand in life, everyone screws up. We all have mistakes we go through. I'm sure you've had them, I've had them, and it's how we learn to overcome that. So how do you help a young child and a young family deal with that as a therapist? Well, again, I think it's the worry underneath. You know, it, I, I totally agree with you. Self-confidence is you know, that idea of, of kind of confidence is almost like a birthright. You know, it's, it's in everyone. It gets covered over, like you're saying, by these experiences. Um, and, you know, again, to talk about the, 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 the worry underneath, to, to address, do you really think your parent won't love you? Do you really think if you don't go to Harvard, you're not going to have a happy life? I mean... I, I, I hate to sort of frighten parents in a way, but I do like to point out that since this culture of performance has taken over, 
We have the highest level of anxiety and depression in teens, college age, and young adults. So I, I often try to point out it didn't really work. Like, we have the data. This is actually what's going on. How can we make a change? Like, it's, the data's in. It didn't work. Um, and so not, not to, you know, not to frighten them, but to, to illuminate and show what's actually happened in the culture in 15 years, I think it's sometimes very helpful. It's like they, once they see that, they can get more confident about um, steering their kids in a different direction and reminding their kids that, it, you know, Number one, bottom line, that they love and adore them, regardless of whether they get a hundred or a ninety or a eighty-nine. I just had a family <laughs> last week was talking about so worried about my kids' average grades. I said, "What's average?" And they said, "Eighty-nine." So we were la- we laughed. Eighty-nine. Like eighty-nine is not average, <laughs> you know. Um, but it is, and then we go back and talk about, well, how did you do in school? You know, did you always get, you know, uh, 100% on everything? And what do they and say to that? That, of course not. But they realize that they're getting so caught up. And we, it's almost like we, I call it like a chiropractic adjustment. Like families come in, they get so bent out of shape about something. They come in, we unpack it. And we do like a chiropractic adjustment and it's like, right, okay, now I'm aligned, I'm right, I know how to go back and repair that conversation I had with my son. I can go back and say, I thought about it, I got caught up, let's not get caught up, let's remember what's important, this is what's important for me, this is what's really important about you. Listen, Lisa, so, I'd, li- I'd like you to stick around for our last segment, if you don't mind. This is really a stimulating conversation, I, 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 and I could, if you don't mind, I, I want us to to give some solutions for people, some answers to people on what to do with this expectation that's placed on them now by society, okay? I'd, I'd really okay. like for us to talk about that because that, that's what we, people need to hear. What can you suggest to them okay. with your expertise? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. My guest today is Lisa Spiegel, the director of Soho Parenting in New York City. Great advice, great commentary. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years, and with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click Products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click Products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, Go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million.
Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hi, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Having a great conversation this morning with my guest. Her name is Lisa Spiegel. She's a therapist in New York City with over 30 years of experience and the director of Soho Parenting in New York City. And we've been talking about parenting and dealing with kids. She has a book called Internal Family Systems Therapy with Children. And Lisa, I guess here's here's the issue now as we, we do our last segment of the show today. This whole issue of perfectionism, of expectations that parents have, as a therapist, how do you help them understand the balance, as we talked earlier, and that, that the failure part and the expectations of having to do what everybody else is doing? We're in, we're in a system today in society where obesity is such an issue with kids because they're not in, in activities. Then we have kids that are in too many activities. So how do we get that balance out there for them? Mm-hmm. Such a good question, you know, because you're right. If there's so many extremes. Um, and again, I, it's not that I'm ever encouraged parents not to do any activities with their kids. Um, it's more a matter of, you know, moderation, really. I don't know about, you know, I, I really just talk about moderate, being moderate. Um, and, and also the idea of, you know, I find a lot of parents are, younger and younger talking about, like, my child needs to find a passion, you know, I, and, um... Really? Really? Their child, I, like, like, what age? Like, very, very young kids, you know, five, six years old, parents are talking, you know, talking about, what's my kid's passion going to be? You know, they need to find passion. How are they going to know that at five? I mean, that's... that's 10, 11, 12, what were you going to... I said at age five? How are they going to have any idea what that is at age five? I think, again, this idea of specialization is so harmful. I think that parents feel like kids should find a thing that they love rather than explore many different kinds of things. Um, and that's, that's, again, what I try to talk about. The childhood is a time for exploration, not specialization. And, and that they can, you know, parents are often worried about this idea of quitting, right? So if they start in an you know, not all kids I know take sports, but so some will be in an art class or a dance class or a sports class. And what about when my child doesn't want to do it anymore? I'm so worried about this idea of like being a quitter. I don't, I, I don't quite know where that, where that comes from. I, I find that in truth, that's such a rare thing that you come across. It's like a fear that parents have about their children that doesn't often happen. But well, let me if I if I can. I always I talk about yeah. especially in the world of sports. I, I yeah. you know you don't quit except when it, the situation becomes abusive verbally or obviously physically, but mm-hmm. also verbally. And I've I've told mm-hmm. people I've had a situation with a softball player this year who's fourteen who's playing on a team, and she it's a very competitive team. She tried out, made the team. The coaches said, "Well, you're going to get to do this and this and this." Well, she's barely gotten to play, and I encouraged mm-hmm. her to go talk to the coaches. Uh, about three weeks ago, about you know, I'm, I'm coach. I'm I'm not playing. They they had a tournament where they played five games. They won the tournament. They blew everybody out, and she played three innings, and she's devastated. And so, I said, you need to ask them what I need to do to get in the games. And they're like, well, you need to do this, this, and this. So she's doing these things, yet she's still not mm-hmm. playing. So then I, and they have tournaments coming up 
in Colorado, Oklahoma, Colorado, and, and California. The parents came in with her. They're all upset. It's going to cost them $5,000 for these three tournaments. And I said, well, you know what? Oh, my goodness. If, if she's not going to play, why go? At this point, when they say right. she's going to play and she's not getting in the game and it's really affecting how she feels, you guys need to sit down and talk with the coaches and say, look, we need to know what's going on. Because if, if, if she's not going to play, we're not going to spend all this money. And I haven't heard back right. from them since. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, is this really good for you is a really good question to ask. Like in the, in terms of that child, is playing in this league or is this really good for you? Are you learning? Are you growing? Are you happy? Are you enjoying yourself? And, and the answer for her is no, no, no on all those. No, no, no. And then, and that's, and I guess that's the thing in terms of this idea of being a quitter or quitting. It's like knowing when to leave a situation that isn't good for you. It's you, just, you, you just you just hit it on the head. Important skill. You just yeah. hit it on the head. Instead of quitting, I'm leaving an unhealthy situation. I think that's a great. I, I think that's all. That's a great way of putting it. I'm leaving an unhealthy situation for me. I'm not quitting. That's right. It's sort of reframing it and taking the power back. Like quitting feels like such a sort of powerless, you know, thing. But deciding to end something is so important. It's setting a boundary. It's learning. And I think in, in sports, you know, it, like this situation, you're learning about setting boundaries and learning what's good and enriching and healthy and challenging. It may be a challenging situation. That's okay. But when it turns into something that's really creating so much discomfort, dis-ease, unhappiness, setting a boundary is a, is a very positive thing to do in one's life. Well, one of the things I suggest, Lisa, to my clients is – you sit down with your child, the parents sit down with the child and talk about what they want. What do you want? Well, do you want to play? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be on this team? Do you want to be in, doing these things? But ultimately, as a parent, you still have the authority to say no. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always tell kids winning, score, really should. And, and my co authors, one's a major league, all three time all star, and the other's in the swimming hall of fame as a coach. We all agree score shouldn't even matter until you're about 13 or 14. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. score's being kept for four-year-olds. So, I, you know, the, the whole idea of winning and losing, it shouldn't even matter. It should be about learning. And right. that, you, you, go ahead so, and get your thoughts on that. I, I think that parents can watch and notice the behavior of their child. You know, when they're seeing physical symptoms, stomach aches, headaches, when there's lots of breakdowns, crying, you know, uh, you know, be isolating, they can start to make a decision like this is not a healthy situation for my child and kind of go out on a limb. And maybe their child will, you know, in the in the short run, be angry about a parent saying, like, I'm really weighing in on this. I don't think this is good for you. But again, that idea of setting boundaries and and choosing for the higher good, which is your mental and physical health is what's really important to me. And you just you hit you just you, excuse me, you just hit right what I was thinking. And I talk about this on this show, mental health. You know, you can't, you can, you can see a broken arm. You can, you can see what to do to fix it. You can't see a broken level of confidence. You might be able to perceive it, but you, you can't measure it. And mental health is just as important as physical health, and maybe sometimes even more so, because how you feel mentally is going to dictate how you do physically. Absolutely, and it has long-lasting. Um, repercussions. And of course, there's so much that kids can get out of being on a team or pursuing a sport or any kind of an activity in which they, you know, they, they, they devote time and they grow and learn. So this, this is not to say that kids should be doing nothing, you know, but it's, it's, it's about moderation and it's about enjoyment. What is enjoyable? Um, because that's when we want to keep doing things is when we enjoy them. And that's when we can have a lifelong, you know, I think that idea of sort of professionalism is like, how many of our kids are going to actually play, you know, at Wimbledon, over zero, but, but to, to play tennis for your whole life and enjoy it, you know, that's such a lifelong skill and gift and social connections. And, and that's really why, what we want is the longevity of something for somebody that, to be able to participate in something over their whole lifespan and enjoy it. That's really, I think, what the goal, you know, it's rather than the professionalism of something, it's the long-term love of a sport that you really want to 
encouraged. You just hit it right on the head. Listen, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. This has been great advice. If people want to get a hold of you, Lisa, how can they find you? Uh, either SohoParenting.com or Lisa at SohoParenting.com. I want to uh, thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Jacobs, for having me. It's been a wonderful conversation, important conversation. It is important, and you've been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. I appreciate it, and I hope people get a hold of you. Thanks so much. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. You can reach me several ways. You can email me at drj at winnersandlimited.com. Give me a call at my office at 816-561-5556. Follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB and also on my website, winnersandlimited.com. Have a great week. Take care and have fun. That's the most important thing. Have fun. Take care. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.